Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human and my guest today is Felicia Levy and our topic is immigration and the feelings evoked. We are going to be talking more about the uh, immigration and the effect on the parents and family left behind. I will be interviewing people uh, later on a few months' time about the ones who have actually left. Now, Rachel Naomi Remen said, More than anything else, the way we deal with loss shapes our capacity to be fully alive. The way we protect ourselves from loss may be the way in which we distance ourselves from life. Welcome Felicia. We Felicia is a relative of mine, our uh, by marriage, our husbands are first cousins, and she has a daughter living in Israel and I have a daughter living in Israel. We both have grandchildren living in Israel. And we have been speaking about this and a lot of people have mentioned it to us. So we decided it was going to be a really good topic to discuss. Welcome. Thank you, Sue. Thank you for having me on your program. It's a pleasure. Felicia, let's talk about what the initial feelings are when you know that someone is leaving. Well, Sue, I think that the emotions are sometimes dichotomous. You know that your children and grandchildren are going to be leaving. It's not a sudden decision. And I think... We were talking about protection. In some way, you protect yourself from what is going to be inevitable. So I suppose to some extent it's denial of um, your emotions. So on a factual level, you know that this is going to happen, but you have difficulty in reconciling that with the emotions. And um, just by way of example, to say the way that you prepare yourself So you know that this is going to be the last picnic with your grandchild. So you make, uh, I used to fetch my grandchild from school sometimes and we'd have a a picnic time, we'd make it special, I might read her story. And the last picnic, you know that it's the last picnic. Before they leave. Before they Mm. leave. So we chose a special place and we took photographs and in a way it's bittersweet. Because you are still with her, you're still involved with her, but you know that this is the last time. Mm. And you have pain in parting from your picnic spot and pain in parting from the school. But and, it's and in that routine. And in that routine, but they're still with you. Mm. And the last Shabbat, you're all sitting together, and in a way it's festive because you're saying Lachaim and best of luck wherever your children may be going, whether it's Israel or England or Australia, so you are aware of the fact that this is happening, but it's difficult to reconcile that with your emotional uh, feelings. And of course, there are lots of parameters that would go into the way you're going to respond. So depending on how involved you are with your children and grandchildren, it also depends on the age of the, the children and grandchildren. So the older they are, you're not... Sitting with your three-year-old or four-year-old and reading them a story and playing a game with them, you may still be involved with the old children in that you're watching a soccer match or a netball match or still fetching them from school, but they're far more independent. So you are not that central in their lives anymore. And that is an inevitable process even when they immigrate. And I think what you say about, you know, you, you realize it is inevitable. I think so many people are taken off guard because they don't even, it's not even in their equation, you know, in their thoughts. And there's a recent Pew Center research, which was done in 2019, 
that was saying that people are in flux right around the world. 244 million people worldwide have left their countries of birth. And uh, they've gone for various reasons, improved economic opportunities, uh, physical danger uh, of a lot of people who are going to Israel is for ideological reasons. But 8%, 5 million people born in the UK immigrate. Uh, 4 million Germans uh, left, uh, immigrated. And in the United States, there's a lot less immigration, but there's a lot of migration to different parts of the state, which could be as far as, as Israel, literally, from here, you know, at, at times. And in South Africa, there's been a 70% increase in inquiries uh, uh, to immigrate, which is huge. So a yes. lot of people across the board are actually looking at their children leaving and and going to so-called greener pastures or what, what for whatever reasons they're going. Yes, uh, I think that the, the emotions are the, uh, are the difficult part, and I called it the morning after the night before. And I like that. So there, there are different triggers at different stages. So an example of the morning after the night before is you get into your motor car literally the day after your children have left, and there's your grandson's car seat still in your car. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't need the car seat anymore. He's not going to be sitting there anymore. And then you may go to the fridge, and there's your grandchildren's favorite um, chip and dip tomato sauce. And the cupboard's got your daughter's favorite coffee mug and the children's sippy mugs. And those are triggers that evoke this feeling of pain. Mm. That this And the permanence is also something that's difficult to come to terms with. This is a permanent situation. It's not transient. They, are, they have left your sphere of in your life. And uh, as I was saying to you, I it's to some extent a selfish emotion because the gape or the vacuum is in your life's sphere, your life's parameters. And you are feeling the pain because those, they are missing from your life's parameters. And the challenge is to come to terms with um, the fact that it's permanent and to try and see something positive in this. So, as you were saying, that your children, whether you agreed or disagreed for their reasons for immigrating, you need to be supportive of their um, decision. And you have to say this is for the better. They have mm-hmm. chosen this because they feel that this is in the best interest of their children, and you have to support that. So when you do feel see the pain, try and see or even you might call it rationalize the positive in order to cope. That isn't a denial of the pain. You need to Acknowledge that you are feeling the pain, but at the same time, you need to find a way of moving on. Um, and and that depends on so many factors. You know that um, Cecile Salias, who's a well-known columnist in South Africa, says that people are very surprised when they hear that she has three children on different continents. Now, that's quite something. Yes. And they say to her, how on earth do you endure that? And they want to know in the long, and, and she says in the long run, her grandmother used to say, one gets used to anything, the pain, the loss, the, uh, and yes, even the tear in the kitchen curtains. And I think that's something that we need to acknowledge. And so often what I have seen, and I actually, I was out for coffee a while ago, and there was a group of, of elderly women talking and all of them were talking about their children who had left. And um, it was in the Hyde Park area, and they were all talking about it, and not one of them was listening to what the other one was saying. And I found it so sad. I almost wanted to go and and kind of counsel them all and say, all right, now let's listen to what they're saying, and they're saying we're going to get back in a moment. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and my guest today is Felicia Levy, and we are talking about immigration and the challenges that it presents. Um, you are now going to just be listening to a very short YouTube by Michael Singer, who wrote The Untethered Soul, and he was talking to Oprah Winfrey, and it's called, uh, Why Are We Afraid of Change? I think my 
favorite chapter, and I've been tweeting with other people about it, is Let Go Now or Fall, Chapter 8. So let me just read a bit of it, because we just have an hour today. I'm not going to be able to share everything from the book. May I just say, get the book, and now you'll know what I'm talking about. But this chapter I love the most, Let Go Now or Fall. The exploration of self is inextricably interwoven with unfolding one's life. The natural ups and downs of life can either generate personal growth or create personal fears. Which of these dominates is completely dependent upon how we view change. Change which people are so opposed to. Change could be viewed as either exciting or frightening, but regardless of how we view it, we must all face the fact that change is the very nature of life. Now, why are we so afraid of change? What basically happens is we've gone to the mind and said, I'm not okay. How does everything need to be for me to be okay? And then we have are devoted ourselves to try and create that situation. It doesn't work, but we don't know that yet. And so we try to create situations that we think will make us be okay. And when things start changing that don't match that model. Yeah, we get scared. We get scared because it looks like it's not going to work. Okay, I love what you say, too. In, in the next paragraph, you say, people don't realize that fear is a thing. Yes. Fear is a thing. It's a thing. It's just another object in the universe that you're capable of experiencing, and you can do one of two things with fear. You can... You can either push it away, or you yeah. can let it go. Yeah. Right? You can either avoid it and, and be scared of it, mm -hmm. or you can let it pass right through. Okay. So, what do you mean by let go now, okay. or fall? Right. Fear comes up out of your heart. That's a very natural thing. It's human. All right? You are watching. You see it. You have the right to relax. Let it pass right through you. If you don't do that... You're going to try and fix it. You're going to try and control situations outside so you don't ever feel the fear. And it all starts to bother you. That's what it means you'll fall. And eventually you'll lose your consciousness. You'll forget your whole purpose. And you'll just be scared. You just get scared. You say the alternative is to decide not to fight with life. But that feels like just giving up and letting things take over. You don't do that in any way, shape, or form. Right? Life is a natural unfolding of reality. You're supposed to harmonize and work with it. You don't give up and let it take over, right? You're like, like if you get on a horse and you're scared, yeah. you're not going to be a very good rider, right? But that mm -hmm. doesn't mean you let the horse go wherever they want. Mm -hmm. You learn how to interface and interact with life in a wholesome, participatory way. Fear doesn't let you do that. So letting go of fear is not letting go of life. Okay, I'm watching this for the first time or the 10th time. I am on this path. I want to lead a better life. The first thing you would tell me to do is what we've been talking about, is to recognize the voice inside your head. Yes. Yeah. Step back, be allowed to be in the seat of self. And then the next thing. The next thing is when you're watching, see whether what that voice is saying is really helpful. In other words, is it really giving you good advice? Or is it just a neurotic voice talking inside your head? Mm -hmm. And you will find that in every situation you're in in life, there is a higher way to deal with the situation. Of course, there are situations that are difficult to deal with, but there is still a higher way to deal with that situation than being reactive, which is the only thing the mind is going to do. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. My guest today is Felicia Levy, and we're talking about immigration and the challenges uh, of people who are left behind here. You can telegram us. Please be part of this conversation. Telegram us on 061-895-1019 or SMS us on 34519. Felicia, you know, just before we went to Advert, I was talking about those people sitting at the table all talking about their family, and no one was listening. And they were all in pain talking about their children who had left. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we need to understand, that we all have our own way of dealing with things, just as he said, some, you know, but we need to look at it and feel it and then deal with it. You and I were talking about uh, our, uh, your grandparents, for instance, and how they didn't have the opportunity that we have of electronic devices and being in contact with our, our loved ones. Just Can we just discuss that for a moment? Sure, Sue. Um, one of the things that uh, actually surprised me and shocked me was I'd always known on a factual basis that my great-grandparents had to say goodbye to my grandparents, their children, and I, I never, ever thought about the pain that they must have experienced knowing that they would never, ever see their children and grandchildren again. My 
parents both come from Eastern Europe, from Poland and Lithuania, and there was no way of communicating once their children and grandchildren had left. And I never considered the pain, I never contemplated the pain until it was my experience. And I had some insight um, into the pain that they must have felt. And at the same time, um, one has to acknowledge that pain, but I felt very, very grateful that we are not in that situation today. Um, we can literally see our children and grandchildren the very next day. You pick up your phone and you can see them. Mm. You can um, figuratively walk with your grandson to school. He can show you his new teacher, his classroom, his friends. Um, you can see the apartments that the, uh, your children and grandchildren are living in. They can, with pride, show stuff to their new bedroom and their new bed. So you are a part of their lives and they are sharing with you, which is something that in previous generations they didn't have that luxury. And um, I think we have to be very, very grateful for that. And to some extent, that helps to ease the pain mm. because it's not a complete severance. You are still in contact with them, not only auditorily, but visually. You can actually see what is happening. And I think that's a very, very important part of dealing with one's pain. And as I mentioned in the podcast also, you have to let go. You have to keep what you need to, to to help you with the emotions and to acknowledge the emotions. So you do have to cry when you see the trampoline or the jungle gym, whatever. And you need to hang on to that for as long as it helps you. But And I stress the word help to deal with the pain. So you see it and you acknowledge and you cry. And then you have to let go. And um, so, for example, we had a trampoline. So I gave away the trampoline. I didn't stand there and punish myself watching them dismantling this trampoline. But when the time came for it to leave my house, I stood there. I had pain in parting, but I tried to see the positive. First of all, I've got pictures and videos of the children on the trampoline and enjoying that. So I always have that memory and the knowledge that some other children were now going to enjoy this trampoline. It was going, it was a positive experience mm -hmm. and not entirely a negative experience. And I think that's quite an important part in, in helping to cope, um, with the pain. I think so too. You know, I, well, a, a message that I did get was from someone who said that she feels a great guilt at actually admitting that she's in pain. Because a friend of hers had lost a, a child and she felt that she shouldn't be almost mourning for her children who had immigrated when her children are, were alive. And I think it's giving yourself permission to actually feel and to realize that your situation is not your friend's situation. Your situation is yours and therefore allow yourself to actually feel not the guilt and certainly not the the what whatever your friends feeling but your own feelings and you know i really do believe that a lot of the feelings are very similar to grief feelings you know it's the denial when somebody first tells you that they're definitely going we're going to advert again and then we'll be back victor frankel said Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. Join Sue Jackson every Tuesday for Finding Human as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson and I'm back with Felicia Levy. And I have chosen a very short YouTuber, Brene Brown, on blame. Because I do feel that blame is one of the emotions that we actually do sometimes use. And you'll hear what she says about blame. But um, I found the other day my daughter had gone back to Israel and... Um, 
I I tripped over a a toy. Not that I hurt myself, but all of a sudden I found myself really furious that they had gone back to Israel, left things on the floor, (laughs) and I was tripping over them, which was, you know, it was such a ridiculous feeling. It was a feeling of of my own loss for that day, but it, it came out in blame. And so what she has to say is very true. Thank you, Craig. How many of you are blamers? How many of you, when something goes wrong, the first thing you want to know is whose fault it is? Hi, my name is Brene. I am a blamer. <laughs> Let me just tell you this quick story. So this is a couple years ago when I first realized the magnitude to which I blame. I'm in my house. I'm on white slacks and a pink sweater set. And I'm drinking a cup of coffee in my kitchen. It's a full cup of coffee. I drop it on the tile floor. It goes into a million pieces, splashes up all over me. And the first, I mean, a millisecond after it hit the floor, right out of my mouth is this. Damn you, Steve. (laughs) Who's my husband? Because let me tell you how fast this works for me. So Steve plays water polo with a group of friends. And the night before, he went to go play water polo. And I said, hey, make sure you come back at 10, because, you know, I can never fall asleep into your home. And he got back, like, at 1030. And so I went to bed a little bit later than I thought. Ergo, my second cup of coffee that I probably would not be having had he come home when we discussed. Therefore, and so the rest of that story is I'm cleaning up um, the kitchen. Steve calls, caller ID. I'm like, hey. He's like, hey, what's going on, babe? (laughs) What's going on? Um... So I'll tell you exactly what's going on. I'm cleaning up the coffee that spilled all, like dial tone. Because he knows. How many of you go to that place when something bad happens, the first thing you want to know is whose fault is it? I'd rather it be my fault than no one's fault. Because why? Why? Because it gives us some semblance of control. But here, if you enjoy blaming... This is where you should stick your fingers in your ear and do the na 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 thing because I'm getting ready to ruin it for you. Because here's what we know from the research. Blame is simply the discharging of discomfort and pain. It has an inverse relationship with accountability. Accountability, by definition, is a vulnerable process. It means me calling you and saying, hey, my feelings were really hurt about this and talking. It's not blaming. Blaming is simply a way that we discharge anger. People who blame a lot seldom have the tenacity and grit to actually hold people accountable because we expend all of our energy raging for 15 seconds and figuring out whose fault something is. And blaming is very corrosive in relationships and it's one of the reasons we miss our opportunities for empathy. Because when something happens and we're hearing a story, we're not really listening We're in the place where I was making the connections as quickly as we can about whose fault something was. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. My guest today is Felicia Levy, and we're talking about immigration and the many feelings that come up with it. You can SMS us on 34519. Or you can telegram us on 0618951019. Felicia, that blame. You know, the other day you and I were talking about how so often uh, parents, especially as they are aging, um, the children left behind here are having to look after their parents. There's a lot of blame that does go on, and, and uh, the parents blaming the children for leaving as well. And I think... One of the biggest things that blame does is it stops communication. Absolutely, Sue. And I think that that's, um, the, the blame stops communication and the focusing, as she described in the, the podcast, or the, is that you focus on yourself. Mm. And I think when the, your children immigrate, um, they're not doing it to hurt you. They're doing it because that it's the best in the in the best interest of their family, and I think when you communicate with them, I think it's important not to focus on yourself. 
they know that you're in pain. They know that they've left. You don't have to emphasize that mm. when you're talking to them. You don't have you to don't make them feel guilty about going. Right. You, you can say you miss them, but not every time you speak to them mm. and not every photograph that you see. Rather give them the opportunity to include you in their lives. When they immigrate, wherever they immigrate to, it's a huge challenge. They are going to be faced with lots of challenges. And you need to try and be supportive and, if possible, be a sounding board for them, not only your children but also your grandchildren. Mm. So when you're on the phone or when you're sending an SMS or a, a WhatsApp, send them open-ended questions. Um, how's it going? What's new? What's happening? Mm. What happened today? If you want to be a little bit more specific, um, what's happening for Shabbat? Give them the opportunity to express their difficulties. And at the same time, you are now being included in their lives. Mm -hmm. They are incorporating you. And that is far more constructive and positive than focusing in on yourself and blaming and making them feel guilty that they that they've immigrated. They haven't done it to make you feel guilty. No, definitely. And I really do think that it takes tremendous courage to make that decision to leave. Um, you know, to know that you're leaving all that you love behind. Your what you know, whatever has been important to you, you're leaving to go and make a new life for yourself. And there's huge responsibility in that as well. And I think we need to acknowledge the courage of our children and also the courage for us staying here and making our lives responsible lives, making sure that we're doing something. And I think that this is where uh, a lot of um, anger and um, pain does come in. It's uh, somebody actually sent me a message to say that when her children immigrated, she and her husband were in their late fifties, and they were very excited. They thought, thought, great, you know, the children are going to make a new life for themselves. They were able, fortunately, to to travel. The children were going to the UK. They were able to travel. They had, you know, the financial means to travel, and they could do it together. But within 10 years, everything changed, and suddenly uh, she was left on her own. Her husband had passed away, and and she hated traveling on her own, and the loneliness was great here, and she said she was very tempted to put guilt on, and it was no longer fun that they had left. Before, when they used to go and visit the children, they would make it a part of a holiday. They would then go on to Europe or something before coming home. So suddenly everything changed. Now, it, thinking about it, after I got this message, I thought to myself, it not only changed for her, and it did, it changed drastically for her, but for her children who were over there as well, because they were also used to their parents coming together and the grandparents being together. And so there was a whole new adjustment that needed to be take place. And by the sounds of the, the note that I got, the, let, the message I got, there was actually no understanding on either side, that both sides were suffering. Yes, I can relate to that. Um, my brother immigrated many years ago, and um, uh, my parents were here, and I think it's it's difficult for the people who have immigrated as well because they, to some extent, feel guilty that they've left their parents, elderly parents, behind. And um, it's not always possible to visit. It may be a health issue and also a financial issue. Mm. So um, traveling, if you're traveling to America or Australia, it's very expensive. And... Um, for the parents left behind as they age, um, aging can be a very expensive process as well. You may need extra help. Um, old aged homes may be expensive and you may need certain treatments, medical treatments that may be expensive. So it's going to become increasingly difficult um, to visit. It also may not be financially possible for the grandparents or parents left behind to bring the children out because mm -hmm. that too um, is expensive And also as your grandchildren are growing up They they, they have their lives They don't want to be, it to be disrupted mm, mm. Um, And the holidays May not coincide 
And these are all issues that one has to try and deal with without making the other party feel guilty. It's a reality, and we have to deal as positively as we can with that. And again, I say I'm really grateful for modern communication. And um, uh, the children will visit as often as they can, and we have to be grateful for each visit. And if we can visit, be happy that we can visit. Mm. It's true that they you know, you, you're not going to fill that void of your life's parameters, and that's what I was saying, which is a selfish attitude, but you can become as much a part of their lives as is possible by visiting, by corresponding uh, telephonically as often as possible. Now, you know, Felicia, that's actually in an ideal world and in an ideal relationship. Another message came through that said that... Um, her, her son had gone on a, like a gap year to Germany, met a woman there, and ended up marrying her uh, a few years later. But she said this, this daughter-in-law of hers, first of all, is a bit jealous of her relationship with her son, plus the fact that she and her son have got memories of their own from South Africa and his childhood and everything, which she understands nothing about at all because she doesn't understand South African way of life or their way of life. And she said her daughter-in-law doesn't make any effort at all to actually contact her to let the children be on Skype with her. She said she does try, but that it is very, very, um, it's a distant relationship and she feels huge pain through that. I'm sure. I'm sure that 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 pain must be quite devastating. Mm. And again, that uh, that the factors that determine the extent of your pain is to some extent dependent on the age and stage that your children immigrate. So, um, if they're newly married, your children, your daughter, or your son, and they immigrate as a married couple, when they have children, please God. You may not be there. Mm. It may not be possible for you to be there at the birth. And you you may not be able to be a part of that initial uh, caregiving, taking the baby for a stroll, um, hugging the baby, maybe even feeding the baby. And when they have another child, um, you can't be the, the grandmother who's going to now look after the baby while... The mother fetches the child from school or goes shopping with the mother or does homework with the mother. So the age at which your children go and the stage at which they go um, is going to determine your involvement and the pain that you mm. may or may not feel when they, when they go. So when they're young and they're newly married, you may be excited and they're starting a new life, but you are going to have to acknowledge when your friends are talking about going to fetch the little one from school and, oh, I've got to go and hurry up and fetch from soccer that you that might be painful for you mm. because you are not part of that you haven't ever really been a part of your grandchildren's lives because they your children immigrated uh, when they were much younger and i think one has to be sensitive in a social situation as to who is surrounding you who who are you with very definitely because you can say something innocently and um not realizing that it may be causing pain to somebody sitting with you, and mm. they may not even say anything to you. So I think you have to be um, pretty sensitive in what is happening around you. And to be honest, I don't think that I have been until now. And I didn't realize just how many people, especially at our age, have family, it may even be siblings, not necessarily children, who live overseas mm. and of course, it's not only our community, it's a general situation. And I've become more sensitive um, to other people's situations. And I think also a lot depends on the dynamics in a family. If the siblings are close, then you're going to have to deal with the siblings' pain also of letting their brother or sister go. Sure. So it's not just your own feelings, it's their feelings. It's their children's feelings if they're attached to their cousins. Um, and and then you have to also look at if people in a social situation are talking about a, somebody, they're one of their family members who have, who have immigrated. Is it their only child who has gone um, with their grandchildren? 
And, you know, you are left fortunately here, as I am, with other grandchildren as well. They certainly can't take the place of the ones who have left, but they, they do fill the, uh, 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 a special part in your life. So all those factors have to be taken into account. You know, at one stage many years ago, I was asked to go and talk at a, a retirement village on loss because there had been a particular flu epidemic at the time and a lot of older people had actually passed away. And and the manager of the uh, of the, the social workers from this retirement village asked if I would come in and give a talk on loss because a lot of the people's uh, bridge partners, Kaluki partners, those partners had, had passed away. And um, when I went in there, the most amazing thing actually happened that nobody wanted to talk about their own friends who had passed away. It was almost as though they did, they did feel it, certainly, but they also kind of expected it. Do you know that there were so many people that they wanted to talk about their loss? What was their loss? Their children immigrating. Gee, that's, that's really come as a, a shock to me, a surprise to me. Mm. Um, that, you know, you can lose your best friend and that's not your that the, your true, the, the immigration of years, mm. the immigration. But what I want to is pick up on is what you said about the siblings. I think as the parents and maybe grandparents, you tend to not acknowledge the pain and the, the lo- sense of loss that your other children are feeling. And um, you tend to focus on yourself. And mm. again, I say that it's, it's a selfish emotion and you have to be open to the fact that your children, other children are missing the children that have immigrated and the grandchildren. And I think it's important to acknowledge it. Mm. When you see them looking a bit down or feeling a bit sad when they're at the Shabbos table and the others aren't there, I think you have to say, can see you're missing your, mm. your brother or sister and you're missing the grandchildren. And um, I think it's important to say that, to actually verbalize it, um, because you, you may think, well, of course I understand that they're missing mm. them, but I think you have to verbalize it and you have to acknowledge it. And again, you can just ask the open-ended question. How's your day been? Absolutely. And you know, it's also to acknowledge that your, your other grandchildren might be crying for the auntie or the uncle who has left and the, the cousin who has left and to actually say to them, I can see, you know, it's really sore, but you know, let's, Let's put a phone call through. But then I must admit, you know, my father, just going back to what you said about your grandparents, um, my father was uh, um, Scottish, and he, at the age of five, went to boarding school. But before then, he only ever saw his father three times in his life because his father was in India. My father was in Scotland and Britain. And um, so I must admit, I grew up detesting this grandfather of mine because I knew my father's pain at only ever seeing his father three times in his entire life. And the one time was uh, he said no child of his would have a teddy bear. My father was three when he first met his father. That was the first time. And uh, and he took my dad's teddy bear away. And somehow this pain stuck with me through the years. And uh, and the other day when I was thinking about doing this program with you, I happened to look at some photographs. And I looked at, there was a photograph of, of a few of my, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, and uh, they had all lived in India and all left families behind in Britain. And um, I looked at his eyes and I thought, good heavens, you know, there's humanness in your eyes. <laughs> it was actually allowing myself to get away from my father's pain and realizing it wasn't my own and, and to look differently at the situation. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. My guest today is Felicia Levy. If you'd like to contact us, please do on SMS 34519 or Telegram 061-895-1019. We're going to be listening to also a very short YouTube by Rabbi Abraham Tversky on indifference and how it's our choice whether we do feel indifference and protect ourselves that way. Indifference is a defense where a person blocks out feelings, right? Uh, it's like uh, the physical 
kind of things that happen that if a person is in severe pain, then he faints. That's nature's way of preventing the, uh, from feeling the pain. Uh, to be indifferent means I don't want to feel. Right? And, uh, uh, I, I think that's a, probably one of the worst kind of things because if you take away feelings from a person, right, then essentially you end up with a robot, right? A dehumanized creature. Right? So, I don't think that anybody has a right to be indifferent. Right? Uh, no, we spoke, uh, uh, we can speak about anger, and we may say, well, anger is bad. Maybe anger could be thought of as being bad, but it's a feeling. Right? Uh, uh, not to have any feelings at all is to be made out of stone. Right? And uh, that's, a, uh, I think, a very dangerous defense. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. I'm with Felicia Levy. And just before the, the, that YouTube, we were talking about my father and, and, um, and his, his father, my grandfather. And Felicia was talking about her grandparents before then and her parents. Now, this YouTube of indifference with denial, it is a protection. Did you find that your parents were in denial, that they didn't even realize it? Definitely, Sue. Um, How did they manifest it? Well, as I said, I always knew on on a factual level that my parents and grandparents uh, had come from Eastern Europe. My parents were very young. Both of them were six years old when they came. And it, it struck me that only now... Have I been able to identify with my great grandparents who had to say goodbye to their children and grandchildren? And why did this only happen now? And I think that my parents and my grandparents, although I didn't really know them, but certainly my parents never spoke about this separation. They never spoke about their uh, grandparents. And um, I think that was a form, you know, listening to you about your your father and your grandfather and Rabbi Tversky. It's a way of coping and it's a, a, a denial. Mm-hmm. It's certainly a denial. They just, maybe it was a coping me- mechanism. They came here, they had lots of challenges, they had to get on with life. Um, they didn't have the financial means with which to just travel or whatever. And they had to get on with it. And I think that in doing that, uh, a coping mechanism was this denial mm-hmm. of, of the pain imparting. And they, to my, I, I can't ever remember my parents speaking. They hardly spoke about um, Poland and Lithuania. And they certainly didn't speak about their grandparents. And um, I think that must have been... A, a way of coping The denial was a way of coping It's true they were very young But um, I don't think that they ever Dealt with that that pain Did you ever meet your grandparents? No I was uh, six months old when I had no grandparents oh, oh. Um, But my parents seldom spoke about them mm. And uh, it was quite a strange thing the, When my mom passed away um, I was going through photographs That she'd kept and there were photographs that were obviously taken in Poland or Lithuania, and I didn't know who these people were. And they must have been significant people because that's why she had kept all these photographs. And um, that was the extent of the denial. I had never seen these photographs before. And um, that was it was just too painful to to discuss them, to show us who these people were. Mm. So both my brother and I never saw those photographs until after my mother had passed away. Mm. We managed to identify one which must have been my father because we recognized my grandfather. But um, some of the other photographs, I have no idea who those people were. Mm. Such a loss, isn't it? But, you know, um, I think well, that's something that really we are so blessed to be in this age. And as hard as it is, and it is hard. Of course it's hard. The more you care about somebody, the more you love somebody, the more you're going to miss them. Um, you know, my little granddaughter has already developed that Israeli thing of shrugging her shoulders. <laughs> and yesterday I was with my other daughter, and she said, Bye, Ellie, and uh, Ellie doesn't like saying goodbye on the telephone. We were on Skype, 
and she doesn't like saying goodbye, so she gives that. She's two years old, by the way, so heaven knows what she's going to pick up in the coming years. But there was her shoulder, her roll of her shoulder, so to say, you know, leave me alone. I'm not saying goodbye. And so even for a little girl like that, which we, which I will discuss in a future program, the pain of leaving grandparents behind. But you know, today is the 30th, uh, years, years ago that Nelson Mandela was released from the Victor Fester prison in the Western Cape. And a book was brought out, I think in 2018 called Prison Letters of Nelson Mandela. And in there, a lot of his letters were about, um, pain, the pain of separation. And in one of his letters, which was 12 years into his life in prison, he said, I sometimes wish science could invent miracles and make my daughter get her missing birthday cards and have the pleasure of knowing that her pa loves her, thinks of her and makes efforts to reach her. Hmm. And, uh, and you know what one of his sayings is, the greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. And I think this is what it is, because each day brings a different emotion, especially at the beginning. I think people do begin to get used to it. But, you know, you don't ever get used to it completely. I think this is something that I would like to say to anyone listening in, is to just be aware of each other's needs. And pains and not roll your eyes when someone says they're missing their children or, you know, which, which I've seen people do often as they say, oh, not her again. You know, to actually be supportive of one another, be connected to one another, because that's what is so important, that connection. Sure. I think not, as you say, not only with your children and we are very, very lucky that today we can still uh, be connected just about every day, any time of the day, mm-hmm. um, but also with your friends. That's going to be a support to you. If there are friends in a similar situation to you, go out and have coffee. Mm-hmm. You can you can discuss how you're feeling with each other, and there's no you're not going to be hurting anybody. You're not going to be um, feeling guilty about anything. You're speaking to your friends, absolutely. And I think that can be quite cathartic. You you. Supporting each other, helping each other, acknowledging each other's feelings, um, without the, the family dynamic parameters. This is somebody who's not part of your family, but can identify with you. And, um, one shouldn't feel stupid that you're going out with your friend, and this is what you're going to talk about, because it's a therapeutic situation. Maybe you do need formal therapy. To get over those initial stages And I don't think one needs to feel guilty about that mm. You don't even have to tell your children and grandchildren Don't make them feel bad about the fact that you're going for therapy It's you have to deal Absolutely. with it And you have and to move choice. forward And if you feel that that is going to help you to move forward You have to acknowledge that And go for the therapy And I think um, acknowledging and not being in denial Is critical in moving forward And in coping so one might think that denial's a, co- a coping mechanism, which maybe some people do do that. But for me, I think it's important to acknowledge, and that helps me to move forward. And also to try and fill the spaces in your life. And to keep busy, and also to keep reaching out to other people. By reaching out, I always say we definitely do reach in and heal ourselves. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Felicia, you know, the time is flying past, but one of the things that I, I have noticed, that if you go into a Shiva house, and which is a house of mourning, um, often the people who have come back from overseas get really irritated because the phone's ringing, people are coming in, they're talking about things that the person visiting, uh, they're coming back for their parents' Uh, funeral doesn't understand what they're actually talking about. What, what are your th- thoughts on that? Sue, I've actually given that a lot of thought. Um, it, uh, this depends on the age at which the person immigrates. So when you have been out of the country for 20 years um, and you unfortunately have to come back because a parent has passed away, so you come back for the funeral 
And you sit for a day or two, you sit shiva. In fact, I, the, I had experienced this again yesterday, besides my own brother having come here for when my um, late mom, Sikhrana Livracha, passed away. And this person is sitting next to you, sitting shiva, and they feel very isolated because they no longer know the people that are coming to visit. They don't know the people that are phoning. And it can be a very um, difficult and isolating. isolating experience for them. And it's not a, a shiva in a way. It's a, a means of comfort, a source of comfort in that people are comforting you. They're talking to you. They, they, they can identify with you because you're part of their daily lives. But here this sibling or this child that's come back now as an adult um, to bury their parent is feeling totally isolated. And um, I think one shouldn't make the person, your, your brother or sister, feel guilty if they choose to now go back to their home because that is where they are going to feel comforted. This is, this is their family, their friends. They haven't, when they come out here, they're coming out alone. But there's also great pain in going back, you know, because sometimes the people there don't, um, don't understand, uh, don't, don't even have, haven't met the parents, you know, and don't know the, the memories. Well, let us all always just meet in celebration. Craig is telling me that we've got to wrap up, um, to Karen and Shira. Uh, your moms are very proud of you both <laughs> and love you both lots. And to all the parents out there uh, or, and the siblings, uh, cousins, we send you lots of love. And let's always just meet in celebration. Oh You're going to be hearing Khalil Gibran's um, at, uh, poem on children. And it's, it's, it's read by Earl. Uh, let me just think what his name is. Um, Anyway, you'll hear his voice. It's a beautiful voice. Thank you so much, Felicia. Thanks, Sue. A woman who held a babe against her bosom said, Speak to us of children. And he said, Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet... They belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you, for life goes not backward nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness, for even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable.